0: You're listening to Creating Impact Through Giving, a podcast brought to you by the Oklahoma City Community Foundation, providing you with the stories, techniques, and tools around impactful giving. On this show, we'll talk to donors, professional advisors, nonprofit leaders, and our own team of experts to identify charitable strategies that have resulted in some of our most impactful gifts. I'm Dan Martell, and welcome back to the pod. Today, we're excited to touch on a topic that hasn't received a lot of airtime yet, but one that is actually an important area of impact here at the Community Foundation. The beautification of parks and public spaces, most notably done through grants and projects administered by the OCCF Parks and Public Space Initiative. Here with us to take us back to a time before parks as we know and love them today is Brian Doherty, director of our Parks and Public Space Initiative. Later, stay tuned for my conversation with J.B. Shulein from the historic Mesta Park Neighborhood, who's going to talk to us about his Neighborhoods Improvement Initiative and how it was working with the Parks and Public Space Initiative to realize the neighborhood's goals. Finally, we're chatting to Leslie Hudson, Committee Chair of the Margaret Annis Boys Trust in Parks and Public Space Initiative, on her philosophy and contributions in the realm of beautification. Exciting stuff ahead. Stay tuned for some important notes at the end, and now I can't wait to
1: turn to our first guest. Brian, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me
0: today. So, Brian, you've worked in the parks and tree realms for over 45 years, correct? Correct. And you're a licensed landscape architect and horticulturist, and you've been involved in countless parks projects across the Oklahoma City metro. And in the late 90s, we were fortunate to steal you away from OSU OKC's horticulture department, right? Correct. You played a big part in developing the horticulture and floral program as we know it today, and then you became OCCF's resident tree expert. Before we get into, you know, a little bit of the role that the Community Foundation plays in this kind of big picture of parks and public spaces, how has our perspective on the significance of parks changed over the years?
1: You know, I think Oklahoma City was unique because we were so land rich. We had so much land. So sometimes in some of the areas, you might have a neighborhood and right next to it, a wheat field or other types of undeveloped land. And so some people didn't appreciate some of the parks quite as much because we were land rich. As the urban environment has continued to grow, as downtown has continued to evolve, then I think the presence and the... um, the value of parks really goes up as a as a you know public space where people can go and enjoy
0: what is the role of the community foundation, and when did we enter the picture?
1: You know it was prior to me coming on, but in nineteen ninety Margaret annis Boys, a school teacher here in Oklahoma City, left her estate to the community foundation for the beautification of public lands and in nineteen ninety seven the community foundation trustees did in a long range planning to establish the parks and public space initiative as one of the focus areas. So you have these two complementing each other. In 1998, I was asked to join the community foundation in that. Prior to me coming, we would still do some flower garden beds, some butterfly gardens at school, some different things, really kind of brought it up to Uh, a lot more significance of working through trees and larger projects starting in the late 90s. So let's
0: talk a little bit about what OCCF does and, and how do we work with the community, whether it's a neighborhood park or a school, or, or tell us a little bit of how that
1: works. You know, whether it's a school park, a neighborhood park, a trail, you're going back into that community and saying, what is this public space? How do you envision this? In one area, it might be a tot lot. In another area, it's an education facility in another. So going back in with the neighborhood, talking about what their vision or what their dreams would be. And then how do you facilitate this? Realizing that these are all public pieces of property, there's going to be approvals, there's going to be permitting, there's going to be all kinds of things. It's it's much different than just a private piece of property that you might go out and say the CEO said to do this, so you do it. You're going to have to go through a process. So we help them understand what the process is and then how to get from one point to the next point. So, so sometimes it could be a small trail in a neighborhood park. It might be planting trees. It might be a new playground. It might be in a school and sometimes it might go through a principal and the school board. Other times it might be going through river design committee and back through city council. So a lot of it is learning how to help facilitate and navigate what they really want at the end.
0: How does that work? How do our grants work?
1: On a lot of our grants, the Parks and Public Space Initiative slash Margaret Anna's Boys Trust, and it's handled basically as one grant program, twice a year we have grant applications that are due. And I will start working with them a lot of times, six months before, maybe nine months before. And we'll talk about a vision and we'll be getting it down to the point. And so, again, it might be trees in a in a park where and sometimes it's replacement from some damaged trees. Sometimes it's new incorporation of them. maybe it's park bench or walking trail or any number of things. Uh, you know, our DNA is probably the strongest at the trees. And so we'll come up with that and we'll start working through the process back with the city, with the neighborhood on it. And then it will go to the trustees for approval. It goes to a committee and then up to the trustees. And it will, for instance, say, we're gonna replace 14 trees at Edgemere Park, or we're going to do some crepe myrtle and tree planting in Mesta Park, or we're going to do any number of projects like that and it would get approved. And then the, the grantee, uh, I would work hand in hand with them, and we'll, we'll accomplish that then over the next year with whatever the trustees have approved.
0: At what time of year do the applications normally get filled out? When do people need to be conscious of the timing when it comes to grants?
1: We used to do, we used to do them four times a year, January, April, July and October. Now we do um, we do a January grant deadline and a July grant deadline. Part of that is so that they go into sequence with when the appropriate planting time was. So a January grant deadline means it will have gone through the entire approval process within about six weeks. That means the middle of February or the end of February there would be a full approval. There is still time to get that project in the ground that spring. And so that's a lot of why we do the January and the um, and the July. July sets us up for fall project. project and sometimes projects are broken into two. So we want to do half of it in the fall and half of it the following spring. And so those seem to work out very well. And like I said, so often we're working with people, oh, six months, a year. Some of the projects that originally talked to me last spring are the projects we'll be working with this coming
0: year. OCCF doesn't just give grants to build parks and public green spaces. We've also taken on somewhat of a leadership role. Tell us about some of those projects. How do they come about and what's the value behind the data?
1: I I think some of them is, is as simple as we are a prairie here. So, you know, you look at something as simple as, well, we like trees, and you look at surveys, and people like trees, and they like shade. But, you know, part of it is okay, what trees are going to live? How are we going to sustain? We're not looking at five years or 10 years. We're really looking at what will this be in 50 years or 100 years? Can I make it as sustainable as what I possibly can? And so from that, we've done the tree inventory study. We've done the tree canopy study. We, we are very active in some of the trails maps and working back with ACOG on some of the trails and amenity standards on a trail. How do you add... Uh, watering areas or how do you add trash containers? You know, because the end of the line is you really want it to be safe, accessible. You want it to feel good. And so some are very traditional type projects. Some are very untraditional type projects.
0: You know, we have MAPS 4 coming up. Mm-hmm. What role do you think this data could play for future developments in Oklahoma City?
1: I think the tree inventory played a huge role. 19,000 different trees in our city parks were inventory, 20 data points on each one. We know a lot about how a sycamore is going to perform or a oaks, Oak. So that's fantastic. We have 560 square miles in the tree canopy. It's dealing with stormwater retention. It's dealing with all kinds of of other data in terms of the canopy and where the sweet spots are on the amount of shade. And then you have the parks master plan, which we've been very involved in, that really identifies what would a neighborhood park look like, what would a community park, what type of amenities would fit best into those. So we've been working with all of these for for quite a number of years and you take that type of data and start using it as part of the framework for what can be a maps for, and I think you're just light years ahead. You've taken a lot of guessing out of it. You have kind of a structure already to walk into maps for.
0: Yeah. I want to talk about uh, something that's kind of exciting that we have planned later for this year and into early spring. You want to give our listeners a little sneak peek, Brian, as to what that might be?
1: You know, there, we, we went through the 50th anniversary and that was special with the trees on the river and planting 800 trees and they're still doing and performing well. And we've looked at incorporation of wildflowers. Well, there, you know, there was a donor that was really loved beautification and he had talked about doing something with bulbs and spring type of bulbs. And And, you know, a lot of people will think about that and say in the spring, now all at once the bulbs are coming up and it's kind of... So there was a thought about turning around and doing a bulb project, especially in light of 2020 and the pandemic and where we've been. And could we do something now to plant for looking forward to 2021? And I think when you look at the um, um, social distancing and all, these outdoor projects like this can happen. So we have 65,000 bulbs coming in. We'll be planting them at around... 500 to 600 different locations in public, highly visible public locations around the city. And it gives a chance for whether it's a fringe group at the library or whether it's at a park or a neighborhood to turn around and to plant maybe 50 or 100 bulbs around that sign or at that entry. And next spring, it will be complementing some of the big projects around the city. Tail, I think, has 60,000 daffodils that will be coming in, Myriad Gardens has them, the zoo. And so here you have these smaller projects coming up all over around our libraries and our schools throughout Oklahoma City. So we're looking forward to that. We're gonna be planning that right around Thanksgiving this year and then uh, watching everything come up this next March and April. Ryan, um, you know, a lot of people refer
0: to you as a rock star in this whole industry. And regardless of how large or small the project is, you
1: really seem to enjoy what you do. I I enjoy helping people help themselves through this process and you know there's it's a real success sometimes it is really is as simple as this walking trail in a neighborhood park or some benches they've already dreamt of or a memory garden at Will Rogers Park or some tree planting at Oklahoma Christian University, where the trails in Edmond meet the trails in Oklahoma City. But it's helping navigate that and and looking for that real success at the end. Well, thanks so much for chatting with us today, Brian. Uh, can't wait to see what else we have coming up in the parks and
0: beautification area. Appreciate your time. Thank you. My next guest is quite familiar with the Parks and Public Space Initiative, and we were fortunate to work with his neighborhood association many, many times. So let's welcome J.B. Schuline from the Mesta Park Neighborhood Improvement Initiative. Hi, J.B. Hi, welcome, thank you. Thanks for being here. So you've been a resident of the historic district of Mesta Park for more than 30 years, and you've played a crucial role in shaping that neighborhood. So tell us a little bit about where that initiative and that passion originated.
2: I think when I first was introduced in Mesta Park, I had friends that lived there and uh, I thought it was an opportunity to invest because the neighborhood was pretty run down. It was uh, in, in the 70s and early 80s when many of those homes had really fallen into disrepair. People had moved out of the neighborhood, mostly with families because it was at a time when we had, uh, they're integrating the schools and it was about the late 70s when some urban pioneers moved back to the neighborhood and began to kind of revitalize it. I came along in about the mid 80s about the time we were considering becoming historic preservation and it was a big challenge for our neighborhood but um, the thing that i really was attracted to were the people I mean, it was a very diverse neighborhood all races nationalities and religions gay straight affluent not so affluent people were still surprised to know that we still have affordable housing in messed apart with you know duplexes and garage apartments and fourplexes and things but um but the thing that really grabbed me was was the people because they're very welcoming. you know it really is uh, in, in a diverse neighborhood, I think you find that that people are make you feel comfortable being there and since everybody was welcome but um i you know we we kind of take of our neighborhood namesake was Pearl mesta who you know was the hostess with the mostess and the subject of the movie, Call Me Madam. So uh, we've always been a social neighborhood with ice cream socials and, and picnics and uh, Mesta Festa and home tours and Easter egg hunts. And, and once I got there, I didn't ever want to leave.
0: And you're still there. I'm uh, still there. And you're still there. So let's talk a little bit about this improvement plan back in around 03 to enhance the park. You know, you had talked about a couple, having a couple of big agenda items. One was to replace the aging sidewalks, and the other was to establish an endowment fund at the Oklahoma City Community Foundation. Um, tell me about how you decided to reach out to get OCCF on board, and how did you know about the endowment program?
2: I think we heard about the endowment program through uh, friends in other neighborhoods. Of course, Crown Heights had one of the first ones, I think, with the neighborhood, and then Edgemere Park. Uh, I think they started theirs so the year before we started ours. We had a strategic planning retreat in 2002. We had a really good board, and, and it was it was um, it was difficult because we didn't have a lot of money, and, and we had a couple of those are both pretty expensive projects for us at that time. But um, I think after a great deal of discussion, uh, we just boldly moved forward and said we're going to do both. And so we funded the sidewalk replacement program at $5,000 and said, we're going to raise $10,000 to start that endowment fund. And lo and behold, um, you know, we met the, the match requirement, I think, from the Kirkpatrick Family Fund probably to get it started. And then our good friends in Heritage Hills even matched that. So we started out with 10000 but we got 30000 to start. So it was a really win-win for everybody.
0: That is outstanding. Uh, how would you characterize that partnership that you all have with the OCCF?
2: Well, it's, it's been terrific. I mean, and it really does, uh, you, you get benefits in ways that you don't even realize, um, in addition to establishing kind of a, a stable source of revenue for your neighborhood. Um, you know, we get great technical assistance from people like Brian Doherty. I mean, any initiative that we brought to the community foundation, he would make it better. I mean, he, he, um, takes a personal interest in it and really wants to help you. He can, we can learn from his lessons learned uh, from things that worked well in another neighborhood or another park and, and things that didn't. Um, but but it's also, it opened doors to other funding opportunities. Uh, we're invited to workshops to uh, work on capacity building. That's the word, capacity building and fundraising. Um, and, and also it always led to networking with other neighborhoods and other nonprofits. So anytime we come to a meeting at the community foundation, we're going to meet somebody that has something else that we can learn from them. It's invaluable.
0: Has there been a particular project that comes to mind that you were really proud of that you'd like to talk about? The
2: most recent one was, was uh, our, our biggest, and, and it was actually a, a consolidation of three projects in one. And, and, and you know, in visiting with Brian about uh, what we had in mind, you know, he suggested, why not, you know, call it, kind of finish the park? Because I think that's our fourth, maybe, grant um, and and this one it, it was all encompassing. It included renovating the volleyball courts and uh, a new entry on the northwest corner, and then also um, expanding our irrigation system. We had a, a large segment of the park that's densely shaded, and we couldn't get the grass to grow, and, and the runoff would you know kind of plug up the storm drains. It was really not very good, and 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 Brian could look at our at the projects that we had in mind. And said, well, I can help you with this, and I can help you with this, uh, but I can't really do this, so let's work together. And he helped kind of massage the grant to get to where he could help us as maximum he could, you know. And with that, we were able to accomplish all three. The Parks Department, of course, is, a, is a, a partner, too, and we really do appreciate working with them. They were very helpful. And it all kind of came together. It was pretty challenging, but, uh, but we did finish all three, and, and the park looks so much better now with these latest enhancements.
0: What would you say to other neighborhoods that are thinking about making improvements to their green spaces and are maybe considering applying for a grant?
2: I would strongly encourage them to. I think, you know, the endowment fund uh, through the charitable organization endowment fund program really got us started. But uh, every program at the community foundation is valuable. And uh, and I think that as far as building for our long-term financial security, it, it makes a lot of sense. And it would Uh, I would really encourage other neighborhoods or other organizations to participate.
0: Well, thanks so much for coming uh, on the pod today, JB. We do appreciate that. Good luck with everything you're doing in your neighborhood. And we hope to see another exciting project from you guys soon.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Finally, we want to talk to someone who's been heavily involved with our Parks and Public Space Initiative. Leslie Hudson has served as a committee chair for both the Margaret Annis Boys Trust Parks and Public Space Initiative and the Greater Oklahoma City Parks and Trail Foundation. And Leslie's also been a former trustee with the OCCF. Welcome, Leslie. It's an honor to have you join us today.
3: Thank you for the invitation.
0: So, Leslie, we could talk about a multitude of ways that you've contributed to OCCF's mission and to the community as a whole. Uh, What I'm really curious about today is your passion for beautification. I want to talk a lot about that today. And how did you get involved with the Parks and Public Space Initiative? And and, and were you always excited about trees and green spaces?
3: I became involved with the Parks and Public Space Initiative in the mid-90s. I was serving as the tree and beautification chairman for Heritage Hills Neighborhood. And we heard about the availability of funds um, to support these kinds of efforts from the Margaret Annis Boys Trust at the Community Foundation. Working with Brian, I applied for a grant for Heritage Hills Neighborhood, which we were successful in uh, receiving. And this kind of started our relationship um, Brian and I grew up in Oklahoma City, had very similar experiences, both with formal and informal activities within the Oklahoma City parks. And so we kind of forged that relationship through parks. Uh, Nancy and Brian invited me to serve as an outside committee member on the Margaret Annis Boys Trust Parks and Public Space Initiative. A couple of years later, I was invited to serve as a trustee on the Oklahoma City Community Foundation Board. And during that tenure as a trustee, I chaired the Margaret Ennis Boys Trust. Had a long history loving parks and then a long history with a community foundation working in that space to try and increase the beautification within the city and activate our public space.
0: You know, it's funny, we were talking to Brian earlier, uh, Leslie, and he mentioned an article that you had sent to him. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about that?
3: Well, in the mid-90s, placemaking was becoming part of the vernacular of urban planning. And there was a wonderful article in the New York Times about a small park in New York that had been developed and became a real placemaking symbol within that area and kind of a rallying point for the community. And so I forwarded that to to Brian, because we'd had similar discussions about parks in Oklahoma City and what they had meant to us as individuals. And so that, again, deepened that conversation that we were having about um, parks and public space in Oklahoma City.
0: I want to talk a little bit more about your overall philosophy when it comes to beautification. I know this is a passion.
3: Well, beautification is something that I think is primarily an interest to all people. I think beautification and beauty enhances life, whether it's in art or music or a beautifully designed garden. So I think that maybe it's just a human nature thing that I think beauty is important for the aesthetic quality. I think that in our city, beautiful public space can really facilitate a pride of place within the city. It enhances the City life, I think it can become an economic generator for the city. If you have beautiful public spaces, I think it's attractive for businesses and families who want to move into the city. So I think on a very human level, beauty is pleasing wherever you find it. But I think it has some civic value in terms of pride of place, place placemaking, economic development.
0: You know, you've also contributed to the initiative in the capacity of a donor. Um, What would you say to other donors who may be interested in the same areas but really don't know how to create that impact?
3: I think, as I say, I've consumed the Kool-Aid about Oklahoma City Community Foundation. I always think that's a great place to start when you have a passion, whether it's Parks and Public Space or um, some other public charity I think the Community Foundation is really gifted at matching the passions of individuals with impact in the community, whether it's something unique or it's something that they can direct you to that someone else has a similar passion. So I think the Community Foundation is a great resource. We have examples um, throughout our 50 year history of, Um, People who've had a particular passion, like Margaret Annis Boyce, who left a, a planned gift to the Community Foundation, which has grown over the years and has really supported a lot of the beautification efforts in Oklahoma City. So we have large gifts. We have small gifts. I think that a good place to start is to check in with the Community Foundation and see if someone else shares that passion and they can direct you in the right direction. Of course, if you're interested, we always love to have people involved in the Greater Oklahoma City Parks and Trails Foundation, which is a new foundation that came about as a result of the Comprehensive Parks Plan in Oklahoma City. Uh, That was a suggestion that we needed that type of advocacy in the city to support the work of parks and public space. So that's an opportunity to get involved. I would say also to make your interests and your passions known to your council person and to your parks commissioner. There are some parks that have their own friends group, like the Mary Garden, Scissortail, Friends of Will Rogers Garden. So there are lots of opportunities.
0: Absolutely. Well, Leslie, it's been an honor to have you come on the podcast today. Um, we know you're a busy person, so we know how special it is to have you as a guest. Thank you for, for
3: being here. Thank you for the invitation.
0: If you want to learn more about our Parks and Public Space initiative, go to OCCF.org parks for all the details and any current projects. Our next round of Parks grants closes on January 15th, but if you know your neighborhood association or school might be interested to apply, feel free to get in touch with us and start that conversation early so we can advise you along the way. If you want some bulbs for your neighborhood or park, don't forget to let us know prior to October 28th. That deadline is coming up fairly quickly, so go to the show notes or episode description right now to find out how you can apply. Last but not least, we are in the middle of our training season for nonprofits with virtual group sessions on how to navigate the new GiveSmart OKC platform or how to set up your organization for endowment success. Please visit OCCF.org slash training to learn how to sign up today. And make sure you're on our email list so you receive all the news about grant deadlines and other up-to-date information. Thanks for joining us today, and I can't wait to explore another impact area of the Community Foundation with a new episode of Creating Impact Through Giving, available every third Tuesday of the month. Creating Impact Through Giving is brought to you by the Oklahoma City Community Foundation, a nonprofit that works with donors to create charitable funds that benefit our community both now and in the future. For all episodes and more information, visit OCCF.org impact. Thanks for listening today. And I'd like to leave you with this. Everybody wants to create some kind of impact in your community. What would you like to do? Contact the Oklahoma City Community Foundation and let us help you turn your legacy into a reality today. See you next time.